And welcome to another edition of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. This is Dr. Z, and um, today we're really excited to bring you Cutting Edge Radio right here on Progressive Radio Network. And uh, I will be joined by my illustrious co-host on a special show, special birthday edition. <laughs> Today's my birthday, everyone, of, of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z, where we're going to be interviewing the natural nurse herself, uh, Ellen Kamai, PhD, RN, AHG, holistic nurse about the field of energy medicine and quantum healing. You know, we know energy can be used to diagnose diseases. That's well accepted. X-rays, CAT scans, MRIs. But what about directing energy to heal people? Laser and phototherapy is undeniably a part of conventional medicine's use of energy medicine. But other forms of energy healing, like subtle energy, homeopathy, plant-based energy medicine, acupuncture, radionics, non-religious prayer, therapeutic touch, Dr. Royal Rife's device, have been rejected by flat earth medicine, even though they too have definitive effects on the cells and self. Dr. Kamai spent a large part of her career exploring and understanding these energetic systems of medicine, and will share her expertise with our uh, illustrious listeners out there. And uh, we're really excited to talk about the history, philosophy of energy healing, the various types, and even delve into maybe some devices available to assist people and practitioners so they can attain up top optimum health wellness. Dr. Kamai, how are you? Hi, Dr. Z, and hi, listeners. Happy birthday. Dr. Z, I can't believe it's always your birthday is always like a very profound time because we're right on the equinox, which will be tomorrow. So it's right at that changing period. And today is the first day. I mean, here it's not cold. I'm in New York, Oyster Bay. It's 68. But that's much colder, like 20 degrees colder than, than it's been. It's been really like summer, summer, summer. And there's a real shift to fall. So that's even part of energy. Um, as you remember, Dr. Z, let's think back. It's only a few years ago. How long have we been partners? I think almost 40 years. <laughs> um, do you remember when we did that experiment talking about the equinox? Because this is an energy medicine thing everybody can try at home. We know that the energy has to do with gravity and forces, universal life forces, as well as internal forces. And we are all a part of this vast energy exchange. And do you remember when one day we took an egg and we were actually at a business meeting at Nature's Answer in Hopak, New York. And it was the, we happened to have this business meeting on the day of the equinox. And I don't remember if it was you or I, one of us read somewhere that there's an exercise you can do because what happens at the equinox? All the energy aligns. It's equal, yeah. It's equal. And anyone at home can try this. You take an egg and have kind of, you know, a flat surface and you hold the egg, you can look up the exact time of the equinox. You don't have to, you know, go into a psychic meditation or anything. You just Google time of equinox at your location. It's slightly different at each location. And right at that moment, you hold the egg on its head, like longitudinally. And all of a sudden you feel it stabilize 
Remember we did that? With Subash, the, the chemist, that uh, we stood it up and it stayed there for, you know, maybe a second or two. It was just right. A- Frank D'Amelio Jr. was in the room, yeah. owner now of Nature's Answer. And it was quite an amazing phenomenon. I mean, but feeling it happen is very instructive in terms of our topic for today, energy and vibrational medicine. Yeah. So, you know, we know, like I mentioned in the intro, we know energy can be used to diagnose disease like x-rays, CAT scans, look at masses and things like that. And even and even like I know orthopedists use some type of energy for fractures that won't heal. They they, they strap a device over the body. Which oh, that's of- pulsed magnetics. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was actually involved in that research, which was a really long time ago, where they looked at the um, the development of extra bone tissue much more quickly when there's a break. And th- they use that now in regular mainstream medicine. It's quite well documented to help. And it's just a pulsed magnetic field. So how come this idea of of energy medicine is often scoffed by people on what they you know what what vitalistic people term like flat earth medicine? I, I guess it goes way back in history. Remember us writing a paper with Mitch on that on uh, the vitalist versus the mechanist. Yes, that's so true. But in terms of why, well, let's look at this. I mean, in mainstream, we'll call it mainstream, we'll call it conventional, we'll call it allopathic medicine, which is life-saving. We don't want to throw it out. But the fact that the healing forms in that are so severely limited and are not keeping up with the science and the evidence Because if it did, then definitely energy medicine, as well as botanical medicine, would be the first line of intervention, especially with nutrition, diet, exercise. That would be first. And almost everyone would never be on any pharmaceuticals. Not never, but almost never. It would not be the norm for people my age, 70 plus, to be on five to 10 meds, or my mom, who's 93, who's on zero meds. That It would be everybody's on zero except once in a while. So it is really an incorrect approach because there's these other things are so well documented, including energy medicine. Yeah, so you talk about the um, documentation, but let's go back and, and look at this uh, history a little bit. You know, when we go back and look at the history of medicine, we see that one camp of folks talked about the vital force, uh, acupuncture, meridians, uh, chi, prana, uh, Elon Vital, uh, Hahnemann and his vital force. So we have one bunch of doctors kind of going in that direction and other doctors going to a more uh, Descartes, you know, everything has to be measured and explained. Although now I guess you're able to measure this, the impact of these energy uh, devices on people's health, but but um, where was that good? Where was that big schism uh, happening, and and uh, why does it consist in medicine or persist in medicine? Do you think it's just to make money for the? Yes, company? yes, I told. Oh yeah, if you ask me that, that's it. There is no reason because there is no scientific validity to not 
using it. No scientific validity to not use it. Also, it's much safer, much more effective, and much less expensive. So there is no reason. The only thing that energy medicine interferes with, as well as all kinds of healthy living practices, the only thing that interferes with is the sale of pharmaceuticals. But that is such a powerful force that really controls a lot of what goes on in modern society. But let's go back, like you said, Dr. Z, to some competing theories that we can look at. Something like Newton versus Einstein would be, you know, something people can relate to because they've probably heard of both Newton and and Einstein. And of course, Newton was much earlier. So Newton was back in the 17th century, and God bless him, he was quite a deep thinker. But what he saw is that, let's say an apple falls off from the tree, he felt that that was unidirectional. It was the gravity of the earth that pulled the apple. When we get more forward thinking into, let's say, Einstein, he had a different interpretation of that. He did not feel that it was a unilateral where the gravity pulled the apple. He felt that it was an ever-evolving interplay between the, the, the energy of all through a curved space-time. And he felt that was influenced by mass and uh, by mass of the object and time, different things like that. So that the mass of the earth overrode the mass of the apple, but there was an interchange, a constant interplay and interchange. Right. So there was a, so one's looking at energy, well, they're both looking at energy, but a, but, but a, you know, a kind of a relationship in the Einsteinian view. That's interesting. How does that percolate down to like, say how the ancients looked at chakras and meridians and the vital force and because all that's very important to understand before we actually talk about energy and vibrational medicine that is true so when we look at different areas of the world actually the same theories kind of developed everywhere with different names Mm -hmm. so i think one of the most ancient and best interpretations really is about the chinese system which is sometimes called traditional Chinese medicine, although a lot of the aspects of that are newer. They're not so ancient and traditional, but certainly the the idea of meridian energy, energy flowing through the meridians was vastly understood in ancient Chinese medicine. And if we look at other systems, such as from the African diaspora, they had a similar interpretation, although they might have named it something else. If we look at the Ayurvedic system from India, which is exquisite and what you could actually call holistic because you look at the entire person, you look at those energy fields and they just call them different names, but the concepts are all still there. And if we look at Western medicine, the early doctors, not even so long ago, a couple centuries ago, also were very influenced by energy flow, especially, you know, the naturopathic doctors um, had fantastic devices. I even went to some naturopathic clinics that were now a museum where they had a lot of those things where they totally honored that energetic system. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. 
then and these these energy systems are um you know why does the body kind of have them and and what do they do um like these meridians um i guess it's their understanding of what actually health is the the flow of this energy to keep the the molecules and and not even molecules way deeper than that the the um the chi and the vital force of the patient healthy versus when you have uh, a disease there's a a non-harmony of the of the energy of the person talk a little bit about that like there's a you know different states of wellness and illness actually have a certain energetic frequency and that's kind of what we're leading into Yes, that's true. And it can be measured, not only the energetic frequency, but the concept of blockages we see throughout the ancient world. And even in Western medicine in the early days, although at this point in time, they seem to not pay any attention to that um, in, in conventional Western medicine, I would say conventional Western medicine as it's being practiced now, which is a one drug um, one bug theory, completely eliminating the vast amount of scientific knowledge that we've accumulated is a horror. I really do. Um, and the older I get, the worse it looks and the more mechanized and away from the life force energy it is. If you go to, uh, let's say, even a family physician in the not long ago when I was a little girl, you know, 30 years to 100, but okay. So when I was a little girl, the doctor came to the house. It's not that long ago. He could smell the house. He even told my mother, open the window. It's too hot in here. You know, he, he could see where you're sleeping. He could see your and feel your environment, smell you, touch you. Now it's horrific. It is horrible. What I see goes on is that the doctor is in front of the computer looking over his shoulder at the patient far away on the other side of the room. And the doctor is mostly involved with trying to look up a code on the computer. And it just has to fit, talk about mechanistic, into a number of what that diagnosis is and what the drug treatment is. And there seems to be just no other real relationship going on there, which is not how it's supposed to be. It makes for very unhappy healthcare providers as well. Now, what types of energy medicines have been looked at and shown to work to change physiology? I know that's a big sweeping question because it sounds like you can go from ancient things to color therapy, which I know you have degrees in, uh, to magnetobiology, to even radionics and distant healing. So let's start, right. start well, talking about the cast of characters for the, for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the scientific validity, certainly a very, very good one to use. I'll name two, because people can go to PubMed okay. and instantly you know, PubMed is free to everyone, and a lot of st studies are there. Another great place for those of you who are curious about actual studies would be Science Direct. I find on Science Direct, you get a broader spectrum of the European and um, outside of the United States research. But on PubMed, there's plenty. Very easy to use. Just Google PubMed. You can put in there meditation, 
you could put in exercise, you can put in homeopathy, you can put in color therapy. So many things have studies. For instance, I was doing one recently on the many remedies, natural remedies that are very effective for COVID. And you can just put that right in PubMed. And guess what? An energy medicine such as homeopathics, in particular oxalococcinum, has actually been studied in flu, not necessarily COVID, but other viral-based diseases in terms of its ability to very cheaply, with no adverse effects, that's another great thing, that natural medicine has either no adverse effects or much lower, not none. Sometimes you can get ill from an herb, but not to the extent that people die, which prescription medication is the third leading cause of death in the United States. That's horrendous. See, the whole entire paradigm really has to change to a more science-based and more um, gentler and more effective medicine, which energy medicine is part of. So look at acupuncture. You brought up acupuncture, Dr. Z, because acupuncture is one that actually has finally, after encyclopedic amounts of studies, because it got funding for that, has been integrated into mainstream medicine. Really, almost every hospital actually has a, an acupuncture area in it. Many of them do, um, specifically for pain management. Also, a lot of drug treatment protocols have been very successful and enhanced with uh, using acupuncture. So it's not a hard thing. But I want to talk about one of the, the newer books that come out that really does a great job for those who want to delve into the real science and it's called Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy. Wow. Okay. And it's brand new. So this is something where he brings in quantum physics, but he writes about quantum physics, not so much from a scientific point of view, because he's not a physicist, but in a language that people can understand. But Quantum physics is the greatest scientific discovery of all time, he said, and that's not an exaggeration. And it goes into the quantum realm. Now, that quantum realm actually begins to measure and understand, going back to what Einstein talked about, that forever energetic and always changing interplay between a person and the environment and between everything in the environment, a rock, your desk. Think about this. Most people know that we are not solid, right? If they ever took, uh, you know, seventh grade science, we know that that is an illusion. Matter is not solid. And if you never heard that before, you must have not been paying attention in fourth grade because that's where they teach that. What it is, is an ever moving group of electrons around a central nucleus. And when we try to track those electrons, we find out that the electrons not even in the same space and time consistently, it blips out of space time. Now, this is not new thought. This is, you know, I learned it in grammar school, okay, uh, like almost uh, 60 years ago. So this is well-verified regular science theory. So that has to do with how fluid we are, how fluid we are. And in energy medicine, we're 
honoring that interplay and that fluidity. And that's really the basis of energy medicine by making like what you said, Dr. Z, there, there gets to be a congestion in that interplay, in that flow. Like if, if you're you know, if your butt listener is sitting on a chair, maybe you're walking around while you're listening to us, but if you're sitting on a chair, there's an actual exchange between your body and that chair. Like you're coming the, becoming the chair and the chair is becoming you in a very real sense. So everything that you have around you is influencing you. And then herbs are particularly effective because they themselves have a consciousness as well as a vast array of chemical molecules that are able to actually become part of a person and often, as Dr. Z would know, have an affinity for a particular structure in the body, such as, let's say, mullein leaf, which is very, very supportive for lung health. So a lot of that has to do with physical molecules and with energy essence. Yeah, it's interesting how when they've done radio labeling of herbs, they they tend to accumulate in one particular area and they just can't explain why, but it's probably down to that quantum level. Like ginkgo seems to accumulate in the eye, the aorta, and the brain, and it doesn't accumulate in other parts. It's almost it almost has like a a, a vital force, a wisdom, or the body knows what to do with it. So and puts it in a particular matter. That's very interesting. You know, I never heard that before. And that's fascinating because, you know, all herbs aren't all safe all the time. And ginkgo is one that can have some adverse effects, not deadly like a drug. But I have seen more than once people who are already on blood thinners, pharmaceuticals, and everyone should work with a holistic practitioner who's knowledgeable to avoid herb drug interactions easy thing to do. You just have to know what you're doing. But if you're someone who doesn't know and you see an ad for ginkgo and you're already on pharmaceutical blood thinners like Coumadin and Warfarin, and then you'd go, oh, well, I'll take ginkgo because it's good for my brain. And you don't understand that interaction. And what Dr. Z just said interests me. I'm always learning new things every day because I have seen patients who get this little teeny blood clot in their eye. It's, it's not dangerous, but you see it in people sometimes. You know, they wind up one morning in a big blob of blood is there in, in the whites of their eye. Well, I have seen five times, I would say, that happened to people. And when I questioned them, they had recently started to take ginkgo. So, and, and they were on pharmaceutical blood thinners. So it, it goes away, but nonetheless, uh, interesting that you're saying that it has an affinity to the eyes. It does accumulate there. It's interesting. So, so then when, um, when someone's sick, and becomes ill, what actually is happening, they think, to their vibrational state? We know like they, you know, oh, you know, you get from the mechanistic viewpoint, disease comes from outward, outside the body, you're attacked by a morbific agent, or as, as the old timers used to say, I love that word, morbific agent, it's like right out of Hahnemann, right out of the organon. Um, but, you know, you're attacked, whereas from a vitalistic perspective, Maybe you're doing something incorrectly with diet or thinking or somehow changing that vibrational state of health that you're in. Talk a little bit about that vibrational state of health and, and maybe how 
some of these vibrational medicines can work to reharmonize you. That's true. But it's also true that an outside influence can come in. But certainly we can try to solidify both the energetic field as well as nutrient levels, for instance, like so much research has been done on vitamin D. And the fact that if you have a sufficient vitamin D level, which you can find out easily by by getting it tested by your doctor, very rarely do those people come down with active COVID. You know, so this is something you actually can modify. That's even easier. But when we look at health and wellness, just doing something simple like breathing And any kind of, you know, the word meditation, that's one thing. I like to use that mindfulness word because sometimes things meditation is like too Eastern for them, but something just like deep breathing and thinking about the health of your insides, we can do it that way. Picking a picture of a flower or there's a bird sitting in front of me rather than using the word mantra, although that, that works too. And that's where the studies have been done. But by bringing all what the chakras are in alignment or the energy centers, which actually are linked to the glands on a physical level. And you can, if you even try deep breathing techniques or learn any kind of prayer, truthfully, you can start to feel if you take the time to quiet yourself, all those centers lining up and really beating kind of like a beating heart in unison. And that creates this amazing field of protection and peace, which leads to health and wellness. And, you know, we're going to take a little break right here, Dr. Z, and um, allow Progressive Radio Network to share with our listeners one of our wonderful natural medicine chests that we put together so long ago. And then when we come back, we will continue our discussion on energy medicine with myself, Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse, along with my illustrious co-host and partner for so many years today, celebrating Medicine Buck's birthday uh, right here on Progressive Radio Network. We'll be right back with more. On this edition of the Natural Medicine Chest, we'll discuss the ancient Chinese science and art of acupuncture. Acupuncture is a 5,000-year-old medical procedure involving insertion and manipulation of needles into specific points on the body. It is often applied to relieve pain during surgery and for many other conditions. Acupuncture needles have been found in China that are over 4,000 years old. The first needles were made of stone. Later, bronze, gold, or silver was used, and today they are usually made from steel. Acupuncture was developed around the theory of special meridian points on the body connected to the internal organs, and that vital energy, or qi, flows along these meridians. According to this theory, diseases are caused by interrupted energy flow, and the stimulation of these points restores normal energy circulation. There is some scientific evidence of the existence of the meridians as a separate circulatory system. Studies were done in the 1970s by a Dr. Kim from Korea where he injected radioactive dyes into the traditional acupuncture points. 
He observed migration of the dyes along the exact predicted path of the meridians. Okay. How acupuncture works remains uncertain, but both Western and Eastern scientific studies on rabbits have shown that the analgesic effects are not simply a matter of suggestion. After the discovery in 1975 of endorphins, natural pain inhibitors in the body, some neurophysiologists suggested that the needles may trigger the release of these substances. American and Chinese studies have confirmed that placing acupuncture needles in the brains of dogs raises the level of endorphins in the spinal fluid. Acupuncture is used today in most hospitals in China and by many private practitioners in virtually every country in the world, including the United States. The primary use is for analgesia, although ulcers, hypertension, asthma, and other conditions have been documented to respond favorably to this treatment. Chinese surgeons prefer acupuncture to the use of drug-induced analgesia because they claim it does not disturb normal body physiology and therefore does not make the patient vulnerable to shock. Brain surgery is especially amenable to this form of analgesia when it is necessary to keep the patient awake during the operation. Although some modifications in the practice of acupuncture have been made, such as sometimes using a small electric current on the needle instead of the traditional twirling, acupuncture remains intact as an ancient therapeutic technique that has been used successfully for at least 5,000 years. Perhaps you'd like to add this piece of knowledge to your natural medicine chest. Natural medicine chest, very timely, thank you. Right, it fit right in. And Dr. Z, in there, you were the one who brought to both of our attentions back then uh, the fact that this study, you know, actually was able to measure the effect of acupuncture all the way so many decades ago. Yeah, Dr. Kim injecting the, uh, the dye. And, you know, what was interesting, what, a kind of a follow-up to that thought is when they did that on a dead animal, right? So they, I think they used rabbits, right? So they injected the rabbits in what the Chinese mapped out as the traditional acupuncture points, first of all, and it, the dye migrated according to that pathway, uh, whatever meridian it was, the heart, liver, whatever. But then when the rabbits were, were um, killed, <laughs> I guess, or, or rabbits, but they, they injected the dye back into those same points and nothing happened. It's like that that circulatory system disappeared. Now, you know, in, in naturopathic medical school, we had the opportunity to dissect cadavers. And even, even when you're dead, you could still see the nerve and the arterial system. But this system of chi and flowing of energy and meridians and acupuncture disappeared when that animal went from living to the dead. Isn't that interesting? It just goes to show you that the, it's a living circulatory system, the chi system. Yes, a life force energy. And that brings me back to two theorists that I want to talk about here. One I brought up earlier with the quantum revelation um, by Paul Levy, 
And in it, he really delves into the modern science of quantum physics. And of course, a lot of people perhaps aren't familiar with it, but it's really the last word in science for the last many decades. And it unequivocally points out that the study of the universe and the study of consciousness are inseparably linked. So we have so much control on our physicality that people actually don't give credit to. And how are we participating via our inner consciousness in creating our experience of a reality that quantum theory itself describes as dreamlike? So a really good representation of that in the movies, I would say, is The Matrix, where they actually put everybody into a dreamlike state, and yet they were creating their reality. Perhaps some people remember that. Well, the same is true with our physicality. And let me talk about a nurse theorist, because since I'm a PhD RN, I have studied nurse theorists in great depth. And I love when nurses come on board and join like the American Holistic Nurses Association or the American Herbalist Guild. Perhaps they're interested in becoming a registered herbalist and I help to mentor people through that. But they're wonderful nurse theorists. For instance, let me bring up Martha Rogers because everything she did really was based on energy medicine. And she was the head nurse at uh, NYU Medical Center. And she's, many books are written about her theories. Her theory is called Unitarian Human Beings. And she stated the Unitarian Human Being and his or her environment are one, are one. And that nursing focuses on people and the manifestations that emerge from the mutual human environmental field process. So again, that's almost like Einstein. And it's not just the apple falling to the earth. It's the interaction between the earth and the apple. Wow. And, and you know, that, that dovetails into, um, I think her name was Krieger, Dolores yes. Krieger Therapeutic Touch, which is now practiced in many, many mainstream settings for you know diverse pathologies pathological states of oh yeah i knew her and i studied with her and she she only passed away you know a few years ago i don't know maybe five or maybe it's ten i know the time kind of collapses but she was a wonderful teacher and developed therapeutic touch now if it, most people many people may have heard of that but if you haven't you probably have heard of reiki is that how you pronounce it or Reiki? People say it different ways, but like Reiki, which is a, an ancient teaching. But, you know, they're identical. They're really identical in terms of allowing that life force energy, if you're the provider of it or the practitioner of it, to share through you. You're not doing it. You're just acting as a conduit, like a magnet, to share that healing and balancing energy with someone else. And they're the recipient, but they're not only the recipient, they are feeding energy back to you as well. And, and you learn how to um, really support that natural interactivity and soothe those blockages. There we go with the blockages again, both in energy fields. And that's how they think the magnetic therapy works with helping bones to heal by actually moving blockages. And that's what they talk about as AMA in Ayurvedic medicine 
And then in Chinese medicine, they also refer to it. So, you know, we know it's there. And you're not even making touch with the, um, even though they call it therapeutic touch, you're not actually touching the patient. You're, you're just allowing your energy to transmit from your uh, hands or wherever to, to that, that particular patient. So it's kind of interesting that, there's, that you don't have to make contact with anyone with energy. And for that matter, there's also a type of, of energy medicine, which I know you've studied for a very long time, where they call it distant healing. Yes. And so that's fascinating because even, even that looks at the newer physics that when two objects were, or sometimes have interacted that no matter how far apart in the universe you pull them, there's still some unseen force. I could actually use a Star Wars <laughs> terminology. There's a force that binds those two objects. And when one, when you change one, you change the other, irregardless of distance and time. Well, that's pretty heavy stuff, Dr. Kamai. Yeah, it is. And, and even more amazing to watch it in real life and see the kind of effects you get. And beyond our show today, people can always reach us by going to naturalnurse.com. And you can just click and email myself or Dr. Zamperone, or you can go to drznaturally.com if you want to learn more about these things, because um, there's a lot of organizations. So since we're talking about that, I will bring up the United States Psychotronic Association, because that's one of the best sources for what we're talking about here, which is called radionics. It's a whole field of energy medicine, very often practiced, by the way, on farms where they're easily able to document an increase in plant growth and resistance to the disease of plants. That's where a lot of radionic um, experimentation has been done over the years. And then it moves into also helping with human health. The problem with talking about it in terms of helping human health is there have been many incidences where people, as is happening right now, do you know doctors who are going online now, Dr. Z, and talking about using not just energy medicine, but just vitamins and herbs for COVID are being taken off the air. Yeah. Sure. So that's horrendous. In other words, they somebody wants to yeah. limit your knowledge. Yeah. Nonetheless, the same thing has been happening for centuries, which we document in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest. Chapter one is the history of natural medicine, where we actually go back in time. And that's a great book, by the way, for all our listeners, as well as many of our other books. We have lots of books that Dr. Z and I have written. And what we document in the natural medicine chest in the chapter, the history of natural medicine, we talk about energy medicine and going back in time, um, how often any kind of medicine is attacked by whoever the mainstream is at the time. I'm, and, laughing, I'm laughing because it reminds me of a famous hydropath, Vincent Priesnitz. And Priesnitz was not trained in medicine but he, he had a keen observation of nature. He was a farm guy. He would watch the deer come from the mountains that were injured and stay in the cold water, um, which, of course, you know, transmits energy, uh, you know, to the body. 
And so he said, so he was involved in a bad tractor accident. It turns out a big bunch of logs fell on him. He had cut wood and like a cord of wood fell on him and he broke ribs and his bones. So he was like, wow, maybe I should try this hydrotherapy. So somehow he was able to drag himself to the river, but then he's like, that doesn't work. So he had people build this very interesting series of water to bring water up to his house so that he can go underneath this cascading uh, hydrotherapy massage type of thing. And he healed himself. And then he used sponges. He learned that if he takes cold water on sponges, he could heal people with uh, water. Well, of course, the medical authorities were so angry at him that they burst into his office and they were so mad uh, and thought he was practicing sorcery that they cut up his sponges. They were so mad, which is kind of funny. I think it's, and they called him in court. They said he had bewitched sponges and he was, all he was doing was healing people with water. Eventually it was thrown out of court and they built roads up to his establishment. And he had a 1200 bed that's bigger than Yale hospital, by the way, facility sanctioned by the German and Bavarian governments and became one of the greatest healers in humanity in, in history. Uh, Vincent Priesnitz, and he's one of the forefathers of naturopathic medicine. We talk about him in his book, but it, it, it's interesting how the medical establishment was so against him, yet at the same time, all he was doing was healing people with the healing power of nature water which was a transfer of energy because he realized when you do hot and cold uh, applications, you are actually transmitting energy. And so that, but, but the medical establishment didn't want any part of that. <laughs> and the fact that he was not trained. Oh, by the way, they gave him an honorary MD, which really ticked off the, the flat earth medicine people. <laughs> Just wanted to share that story in our book. Right. It's just throughout history. So if someone's interested in learning more at this point, they can get in touch with us. But in terms of the United States Psychotronic Association, the United States Psychotronic Association, which I have been presenting at for over 40 years. And I would say that's one of the best gathering together of all the information on energy medicine, especially in the realm that you brought up, Dr. Z, about Wilhelm Reich and uh, Wilhelm Reich and, and a lot of different kinds of machines, actual machinery that is used for energy medicine. For those who are interested in this term, you might not have heard this term before, it's called radionics. Yeah. Radionics is a coming together of those subtle energy fields that we talked about that are so well utilized, not were, are so well utilized in traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, all kinds of uh, healing. It's not really natural healing necessarily. It's healing that has been used throughout time. So, But then when we go to radionics, we're bringing in the electronic part so it is the waves and the electronics. And then we're talking about really specific 
testing techniques. And there's a paper I wrote called Vibrational Medicine, the Use of Electromagnetic and Subtle Energy Testing as an Adjunct Diagnostic Tool in Modern Clinical Practice. Because I don't think that there needs to be a divide. I think we should be doing best medicine everything that works. And I'm, I'm very much interested in, in this group, Dr. Z, that's called Integrative Medicine for the Underserved, because really what they're talking about there is, and they're having a conference this weekend, which now you can go to, of course, online. But when we talk about integrative medicine, it's been kind of so outlawed from mainstream medicine that when people seek it out, they find out that, you know, it could be expensive. It's really very inexpensive to use energy medicine, but like learning it might be expensive. So, I mean, using herbs is much less expensive than using pharmaceutical drugs in the big picture, in the cost, in the production. But if somebody has insurance that covers drugs, but doesn't cover herbs, it seems like it's more expensive. Plus paying a provider out of pocket for the knowledge about how to do it correctly also can be out of somebody's ballpark. You know, they could walk in and get that physical where the doctor's across the hall looking up a, a code. They can get that covered. And they can get their drug covered, but they don't get better. But to see a natural healthcare provider who understands things like herbs and homeopathy and energy medicine is usually an out-of-pocket expense. So in vibrational medicine, these tools are amazing because we can measure these subtle energy fields and help them balance. Like you said, of course, it's, it's not so weird because they do that with EKG and EEG. When, when the science came up for that, it was completely negated as well. Sure. If we go back and look, it would be great to do a paper on that, that's for sure. But, you know, even, even homeopathy, which is, of course, as you know, being attacked and uh, attempted to be destroyed as we speak now, new physics explains how homeopathy works. And there's some fabulous articles on PubMed looking at nanoparticles, like, uh, because that, they, they've always thought, well, I can see how homeopathy would work uh, if you could see and measure the amount of molecules from the original herb or substance mineral that the homeopathic medicine is made. But once you go beyond what they call Avogadro's number, then now there's no molecules left of that original medicinal substance, yet we still see measurable effects on humans, plants, infants, animals, many things, um, and uh, they, they work. Now, it turns out that there's some studies now showing that homeopathy is not working, but when you really look at the study, they're almost making the study to fail from the get-go. It's almost like they have a hidden agenda to, to show that homeopathy is not working Well, what's your thoughts on that, Dr. Kamala? You've been following the whole... Well, that is often the case. Like, I'll talk about one that I'm familiar with that's not homeopathy. It's just regular herbal medicine, which would be echinacea. So they designed a study to see if echinacea was helpful for colds and flus. And in the study, they gave people one 300 milligram tablet a day. And then the outcome of the study was it did not influence the projection of the cold or flu. Now, I'm sure you as a naturopathic physician would know, of course not. 
<laughs> That's not how it's used. So, so the, they kind of designed the study with people that didn't even know really how to use the herb and get clinical effects. And then all they showed, so you can interpret that two ways, Dr. Kamla. You can interpret it as echinacea is worthless and doesn't work. Or you could say that the people who designed the study showed that 300 milligrams of echinacea given way into the, when a cold is really anchored into the body, doesn't work. You see how it, you could draw two conclusions from that? Of course, but, the, but what you'll get on the newspapers, the headline is echinacea doesn't work. So you'd have to then delve into the study to see, well, we know it works because whenever I take it, you know, you might say to yourself, as many thousands of people do, do you know the sale of um, nutraceuticals last year, probably because of COVID, Dr. Z, went up 17.8%, like it's one of the fastest growth industries. It is, I believe, one of the fastest growth growth industries in the United States because people are just trying and go, well, it works, you know, so I'm not going to ask my doctor. I'm just going to see about this. If you are on pharmaceutical drugs, though, and you decide to implement herbs, it really is a good idea to check with a knowledgeable healthcare provider so that you know in advance about any possible herb drug interactions, which is a very real discussion as well. Yeah. And but back to our discussion of vibrational medicine as we come to the last, you know, eight, nine minutes of the show, there are actually studies on these types of things like prayer. I know we had Larry Dossie on our show many, many years ago. I'm trying to find that old, old show. Oh, Dr. Larry Dossie. Absolutely. He showed, uh, well, prayer, right? he showed that prayer, non-religious prayer, worked on parameciums, amoebas, plants animals, things where it's impossible to have a placebo effect. I remember him talking about that, and I was just fascinated by what his explanation. Yes, and he's, he's written many books about it as well. And he has done double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials where he would take a wing of a hospital and not tell them which patients were going to be prayed for and which patients were not going to be prayed for. So that's, you know, a blinding, right? And he would use a wing of a hospital where people weren't dying of cancer. He would use things like um, injuries at where you can actually measure, let's say, with bone injuries, and you can measure bone growth and healing and inflammatory markers pretty easily. And then he would have a group praying. <laughs> he used different groups for the prayer group too, sometimes nuns. You know, they're professional prayers. And they didn't know the people they were praying for either, but they knew it was just in a particular wing of a hospital. And then he measured those measurable outcome and found that absolutely the people being prayed for, whether they knew they were being prayed for or not, had much better healing. So, you know, there's there's so much and there. That, and what does that cost to do? It? That's that's distant healing, which and it gets into, of course, the spiritual realm. But that's that's distance healing. That's, the, you know, what medicine considers the, the black sheep of vibrational medicine is this, you know, you're not even near a person. You're not even, you know, near the patient or whatever. Yet they still get better. 
it's a powerful force that's undeniable, yet flat earth medicine denies that this is part of or works to change physiology, you know. So right. It's, it's just silly. It's actually silly. It's yeah. actually silly to and and also it's really motivated by greed because they want to maintain that one drug, one bug grip and anything that does work, like you said, Dr. Z, such as homeopathy, which works spectacularly well and is so safe, so effective and so inexpensive. And I'm telling all of my clients to buy homeopathic first aid kits now before you can't even get them. What the FDA is attacking them for right now is trying to get the labeling off them. Because right now you might be able to see something like Hypericum, which is St. John's wort, which is very, you know, great for pain. And it'll say it's good for pain on the little bottle. So the first line of attack from the FDA is making it so they can't tell you what it's for. And if you just see that on a shelf, and you're not, let's say, me or you, we know what it's for, but very few people do. They're never going to buy it because what's it for? And then the next step will be make it not available at all. Wow, interesting. So that, that means that knowledge is power, you know, like knowing about these things, uh, taking a course with you or I or a training course, a herb walk, uh, a homeopathic little lecture is very valuable for listeners so that they can, you know, maintain understanding how flower essences work. I mean, there's a whole other aspect of that. That's a type of energy medicine, right? Absolutely. And that's a great one, Dr. Z. I'm glad you brought it up before we run out of time. Um, People may remember something called the Bach flower remedies. That's B-A-C-H, which I believe is actually pronounced as beige in England where it developed. And those are very good place to start if you want to self-medicate because they're very, very mild and gentle, but they absolutely help people get past lots of different things like fear and confusion or like myself, because I've had to move a lot. I mean, physically move my residence in the last few months, which has been extremely stressful for me. So I got out my Bach flower remedy kit to help myself deal with the, you know, rearranging my life. And it really does help to bring everything into balance. And it's very inexpensive and extremely safe. It's called flower essence remedies. And there are many other groupings of flower essence remedies other than the Bach flower or beige flower remedies. But those are widely available. One that's a great one to have is rescue remedy. It's just called Rescue Remedy, and it's a combination of several of the energetic healing essences put together um, by Dr. Bach or Beish. So that's a good place to start. And then in my book, Cycles of Life, I actually have instructions on how you can make your own essence remedies for those who love to do wild crafting. I've been doing so much wild crafting and teaching herb outside identification classes, even in this fall season, Dr. Z, because it's such a great time to gather, you know, the end of the summer flowers, the roots as they gather the energy. In herbal medicine, we're always concerned with that interchange energetics between plants and humans. And right now, you know, the energy is waning. It's becoming the fall. So the energy goes down into the roots. So now's a good time to gather your roots. 
Yeah, this is the, the best time, actually. Uh, you don't want to wait till the spring because the, the plant has used up a lot of the energetics to survive the winter. So now the roots are full of all that amazing sun energy. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. There was a guy named um, Reek, Reekly, who was, <clears throat> he believed in what they call heliotherapy. He said the ultimate source of energy in our solar system is the sun. So we need to go out there and sunbathe and bring in that solar energy to our body. And, you know, it's interesting because now they, and, and by the way, he would say you must walk barefoot on the earth too. And now we know, like we had Stephen Sinatra on our show, Dr. Sinatra talking about earthing and getting the, the energy from the earth. And of course, Reekly said, get the energy from the sun. Maybe they called him the sunshine vitamin D doctor in today's uh, terminology, but that's what these ancient healers were doing. They were tapping into the universal energies, whether it's the five element theories of acupuncture or all the different um, energetic systems, whether you're vata, pitta, kapha, and Ayurveda, all these systems of ancient medicine all were based on vibrational medicine. And I don't think people realize that, you know. That's an excellent point and so true. So we're getting very close to the end of our show today, Dr. Z. It's really a pleasure spending time with you on your birthday. Um, yeah, do, you, do you want to share publicly what, what your vision is for your coming year? My vision for, my, for the coming year is to, to end a few cycles in my life and start some newer cycles, you know, so um, and, and continue to educate, create, and, uh, and and inspire people, myself, keep learning. That's really the goal. I'm a, a lifelong learner. That's really so exciting to be blessed with a, another year to do all those things. So thanks for be, being my birthday present here, Dr. Kamai. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> great to share time with you, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Great. So that does it for another edition of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We always wish you the best. You can always get in touch with us at naturalnurse.com and drznaturally.com. And we want you to stay healthy. Bye, folks.